Does the old adage that figures lie and liars figure apply on issue one? We'll discuss that today on Principles and Policies. Hello, this is Chuck Michaelis. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And uh, today we're going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to delve back into issue one, at least for a while. And we're going to talk about numbers. One of the big arguments of the opponents, but one of the bigger arguments is that uh, we're, we're taking away the right of one man, one vote and destroying majority rule in Ohio and, and all this stuff. Um, I, I want to do a, by the way, today is the show for uh, August 5th, 2023. And yeah, the election is on Tuesday. So don't forget to get out and vote on Tuesday. If you haven't gone out and voted already, voted early, make sure that you don't forget on Tuesday. Um, and that, that plays into what I'm going to talk about today. Um, one of the uh, 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 arguments here, uh, as I mentioned before, was uh, 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 I, on this piece of uh, uh, propaganda that I got from... Uh, uh, the opponents of issue one, um, destroying majority rule, uh, comma, letting 40% of voters make decisions for the rest of us. Um, no, that's not really what's happening at all. And it, and, it, and it proceeds from a lot of assumptions that they know you're making. Um, and I know you're making it because I automatically go into that mode until I have to stop and think about it. We've got, we, we already know there's a problem with, uh, with this. I, I went over this, this flyer last week and, and described some of the problems, but I wanted to go more in depth because I got a call from a friend, from a friend and a colleague who was interested. He had someone at church who, who, uh, was going to vote no on this because he was suspicious that uh, the powers that be, um, you know, uh, were trying to pull a fast one with, with this uh, 60% uh, requirement for getting over the top on a, on a referendum change to the, uh, uh, to the Constitution. And I said, okay, I said, first of all, the reasoning is um, completely understandable. I get what the issue is. I get the fact that you don't trust those in power. That's a good thing. And in fact, that is a necessary um, component of having a healthy um, society governed by a Republican form of government. Now, before I get too far, uh, the, um, this flyer keeps talking about how, uh, democracy is in danger and it's not just this one. It's other ones I've gotten. Uh, democracy is in danger. Well, I, uh, democracy, we do not live in a democracy. Barry Sheets and I used to talk about this all the time. Um, I, I have 
studied the Constitution. I've studied the origins of the Constitution. I've gone back into English common law, English um, uh, revolutionary law, because, yes, England did have a revolution. They've had more than one. Uh, but the fact is, I've gone back and looked at all that. And the whole idea behind our form of government is not a democracy. It never has been. In fact, if you read the Federalists, read the Federalist, which, by the way, is is uh, only one. It's the best known defense of the U.S. Constitution. Um, but it's not the only one. And there are... Uh, uh, people known as anti-federalists who really were federalists uh uh it's a long-winded discussion on the federalists versus the anti-federalists although i will tell you that the anti-federalists had it closer to correct than the federalists did nonetheless uh madison argued uh directly that the united states is not a democracy. And in fact, democracy was something to be avoided. Now, what, what do I mean by democracy? Do I mean democratically elected officials? No, that's not what I mean at all. Um, of course we have democratically elected officials. How else would we do it? Um, you know, uh, can you restrict voter um, um, roles? Of course you can. H has it been done incorrectly in the past of course it was there were people in uh places all around the country who because of their um their racial profile or their uh, uh their countries of origin of their ancestors were not allowed to vote and, and that is a bad thing um there were uh now people say uh there were attempts to restrict voting by the use of the poll tax. Now, if you've never heard what that is, uh, the poll tax was required. You basically had to go in and pay a tax when you went in to vote. Uh, it was a head, poll, meaning not that you're being polled, but you're, you, it's a head tax. And if you didn't pay the head tax, that means that uh, you were simply declaring yourself a citizen. And if you didn't have the the amount of money uh, to pay the poll tax, you couldn't vote. And it might be, uh, depending on the time period in the country's history, it might be five bucks, five dollars, twenty dollars. Those don't sound like big, um, you know, big uh, uh, numbers. If you <laughs> think about it this way, if you go into the convenience store and you want to buy an Amish fry pie, which I'm not supposed to eat, but I do occasionally. It's three, almost $4 for one of those. Well, what do you say about that? Well, is that too stiff for me, for me or not? You you go out and routinely pay between $3.50 and $4 a gallon for gasoline. In some cases, you're paying more than that for milk. During the, the shortage period, you're paying more than that for milk. So today, if you had to pay a poll tax of uh, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. You'd probably grumble, but you could come up with 20 clams so you would be allowed to vote. In those days, $20, very often, uh, you go back into the 19th century, $20 was more than a week's pay. Some people made, made uh, uh, tremendously smaller amounts of money than that. 
the average salary might be seven or eight hundred dollars a year, depending on on uh, you know uh, who you were, what you did. Um, you know, it just depends on the job. Not everybody was a magnate making. Uh, you know, we we hear about fortunes. And we throw up our hands and go, yeah, big deal. You know, somebody had $5 million in the late 19th century. $5 million was a tremendous sum of money. Equivalent of, of uh, almost a billion dollars, I think, these days. That, that, that's where we are. Uh, so the right to, to vote was restricted. And in some places, you had to own property to be able to vote. Okay, all these limitations, all that stuff's been wiped out. You don't have to own property, and I think maybe that's a detriment to society uh, because all you have to do is when when you have tax, let's let's just say property tax issues on the ballot, and you're asking people who don't own property to determine whether or not you have to pay more property tax. Well. They don't have any skin in the game, or they think they don't, because if you raise property taxes for um, um, property owners, you know, uh, rental properties and uh, properties that may have a house on it that they rent out, you know, or a room over the over the garage or whatever, uh, people don't realize. Oh, you'll be paying that that tax. Yes, and so will you, because I will have to raise the rent. Well, you can't do that. Yes, in fact, I can do that. And I will do that. Why? Because my whole thing is to make enough money to make that room that I'm renting or that rental property pay. And if I'm paying more in taxes and it's eating into my profit margin that I need to uh, do upkeep, uh, pay my own property taxes and take home a living from it, you're going to pay more. Okay. But that being said, um, that, that a slight segue into a little, little economic uh, education because uh, we're talking about numbers today. And uh, those, those are definitely numbers you have to figure when you go in and, and talk about uh, property tax increases. Um, and, uh, uh, if if you uh, um, there uh, there are virtually no restrictions on voting except for citizenship requirements, um, and in some places like uh, on the coasts um, for local elections, citizenship requirements are being wiped out. In other words, they cities like New York are allowing people. Uh, to vote that are not a United States citizens and therefore not really citizens of the, of the city. They're allowing them to vote. Why? It's the spirit of democracy. As we've talked about before, um, nowhere in the constitution is democracy mentioned nowhere. Article four of the constitution does not guarantee each state, a democratic form of government. Article 4, Section 4 says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union, that's all 50, uh, a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion or 
on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. What does that mean? Why would you put domestic violence in a clause that has to do with giving a Republican, um, uh, guaranteeing a Republican form of government? Because the founders feared, deeply feared, um, riots uh, dictating policy. People in the streets burning, uh, burning buildings, burning down businesses, killing policemen, uh, shooting at policemen, bombing cars. Uh, does any of that sound familiar? Why, why would it, we be eligible for a, a federal incursion if a quote-unquote democratic revolt broke out? Well, because we're guaranteed a Republican form of government. What is a Republican form of government? A Republican form of government means that we are not governed by the will and whim of the mob. It means we're governed by constitutional authority. We are governed by law. All the Constitution is, is the law that um, underlies, underpins our liberty, our ability to continue to operate uh, under the, the protection of the government from uh, enemies, both foreign and domestic. So Article 4, Section 4 doesn't say... We guarantee the states the, uh, you know, the uh, democratic form of government. Because what's the perfect example of a democratic form of government? It is a lynch mob. I've used that. It's not the first time I've used this, this um, you know, this analogy. But it is, it's been floating around for years. It's a lynch mob. Uh, there's another way to look at it. Uh, my friend Michael Peruka used to put it a different way, but it's it's a uh, uh, fourteen posse members uh, voting to hang the uh, criminal they've caught up with, and the criminal voting no. So the the vote is fourteen to one. Well, in a lawful system, those if they do. If those 14 do hang that one man um, under a system of laws, they would be tried for murder because they did murder that man. The fact is that under a democratic system, they didn't murder that man. Why? Because the law was what it needed to be at the time, and that was they had caught a, a cattle rustler or some, a murderer, bank robber, whatever, and they hung him, or pardon me, they hanged him. Um, by the way, that's the proper use. Hanged is correct. Hung is not. Um, the, uh, um, that's a democracy. In a republic, he would be required to be arrested by the posse, taken to the local sheriff, put in custody, uh, have his case, and depending on the state. Uh, depends on the state and, or the territory they were in, uh, what the laws are in that state. Now, if the law in the state, for instance, is that everything has to be set to referendum, 
to be passed. If all laws have to come up in the state by the constitutional authority uh, of the state, as laid out in their state constitution, that everything has to come out uh, for a, a referendum vote, then that's the way it's done. Uh, you, what would happen very quickly if that was the case, they would find out that system doesn't work very well. You would, A, run into voter fatigue real fast. We, we, our government consists of elected representatives. Uh, and it, it's uh, in that form, it is very biblical. And what do I mean by that? All, uh, everything God does is done representationally, covenantally. Co remember, a covenant is a law. Um, it's a law imposed by God on us. And so everything is done through uh, a covenant, and it's done through covenantal representatives. Um, I taught this. If you, if you want to uh, uh, understand how that works, I taught uh, a class on the radio. Um, I think I did three weeks on God and government. Uh God, government, and government and governance. If you go to www.principledpolicy.com, that's principledpolicy.com, and and kind of uh, flash back to, oh gosh, it would have been this year. Uh, Barry was too sick to uh, be on the air. I think it was in the spring. Um, I, I recorded, uh, I think, three weeks of that, maybe four. Uh, I'll go back to that at some point. Um, because I think that was an important class, and there's much, much, much more. But we talked about represent, representation, um, God's overarching uh, uh, government, and how we're supposed to govern ourselves, and it's based on the biblical model, and that includes elected representatives. Uh, for instance, uh, Barry and I are, were, Barry was, I am a Presbyterian, and we have an elder system. Well, it works different way in different churches. Uh, I am a, uh, I was elected a uh, an elder by the congregation. I remain uh, in office until I either retire or uh, I'm removed for some uh, whatever issue, um, or I resign uh, for whatever issue. Uh, but. I am a representative of my church. I do not look upon myself as someone who has been given uh, unlimited authority. I am, I am a representative of the people in my church to God and of God to back to the people through the auspices of our church bylaws. That is a covenantal view of government. And that is what's guaranteed in Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution. That means Ohio is a Republican form of government, not a Democratic form. Again, uh, this idea that somehow we are a, a democracy, we do have Democratic elections. Let's, let's be clear about that. What are the limits? Are there limits on... Uh, uh, you know, um, um, democratic, what can be done 
by democratic referendum? And the answer is yes, there are. There are certain things that are forbidden. Uh, for instance, um, I think both the Ohio and the United States Constitution, the U U.S. Constitution, I know for sure, uh, we cannot have slaves. We could not set up a slave system. No state in the Union could set up a slave system. Most of them have, uh, I think uh, virtually all of them, have outlawed slavery, which would be called involuntary servitude, uh, in their state constitutions, and it's certainly outlawed in the federal constitution. Now, does that mean necessarily that people cannot be forced to work to, to provide restitution for crimes they've committed? No, that's not what that means at all. There, there could be a series, you know, a, a court could impose a, uh, what would be an indentured contract. That's not forbidden. What's forbidden is what we call chattel slavery. What is chattel slavery? The buying and selling of human beings uh, and their labor and their persons. You can't do that. You can be under contract. And in fact, many of you don't really understand that when you sign an employment contract or take a job, you have agreed to sell on a limited basis your labor to your employer. If you are required to work an eight-hour shift, you have agreed to give your employer, again, on a limited basis, your labor, your complete attention to your job, your your whole uh, being for eight hours a day in exchange for payment. Um, if you are, for instance, a salaried person, your employer may say, well, we need more than eight hours a day from you. And we need to be able to get a hold of you on weekends. We need to be able to, to interrupt your, uh, your vacation. If you accept that in your contract, okay, that's part of your contract. I, I personally, I think that's a stupid thing to agree to. And I would never agree to that in an employment contract, uh, except under, uh, with, with compensation, additional compensation above and beyond my salary for, interrupting a vacation or causing me to work, uh, ex, you know, exceeding under, uh, overtime hours. Um, and, uh, just as a sideline, if you look at the, uh, the whole writer's strike and now the string actors guild who are demanding, um, um, contract changes uh, through their union, by the way, I, I'll be quite upfront. I've looked at, at the SAG and, and writer's demands and I'm like, they're not completely wrong on this. <laughs> well, that's a segue. Uh, again, that's a contract negotiation and that's what you do. A, a, a person on salary agrees to whatever conditions are, that are contained in that contract. That's a Republican idea. A democratic idea would be that all the salaried workers would get together, go on strike, set things on fire, pick it out front, stop deliveries from being made, that kind of thing. That, that is democratic. Um, people power, that kind of thing. 
am I necessarily disparaging the idea that sometimes you have to stand up for your rights in a situation? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Those are extraordinary circumstances, and those are still governed by the rule of law because there are certain things you can't do. You can't kill your boss. You can't assault him. You can't kidnap him. You can't set his house on fire. You can sue him. And you can, uh, uh, you know, you can call a work stoppage, um, that kind of thing. But know that by calling a work stoppage, you may be abrogating your contract. Again, that's a Republican form of government. A Democratic form of government would get people in the streets to uh, either acquiesce to the demands or will burn your factory down. That's Democratic action. Okay. That being said, we now talk about, we've been talking about voting. Yes, we vote democratically. We elect representatives democratically. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful thing. Does it always work out? No, we get some pretty crummy representation. Um, I'm I'm a Republican registered. That doesn't mean I'm I'm raw raw Republican. I'm not. In fact, I'm one of those gadflies they hate, and that's a good thing. I'm one of the opponents of of the GOP establishment. Um, they hate us. Why? Because we get in the way of them. Uh, of the uh, the establishment uh, doing too much crony capitalism and too much uh, cronyism with their with their corporate uh, partners, um, who who really would like to rule themselves through our representatives. They want to own our representatives. Some of the representatives know that, and they know that they're not going to get away with that, and so they tell these guys to go. You know, uh, uh, sorry guys, we're we're not getting involved in that. Okay, uh, again, with Democrats, sometimes it's uh, uh, you end up with uh, other things. Uh, there are different uh, different parties have different um, um, platforms and things they want to do uh, with the electorate. Okay, that being said, when we go to vote, which hopefully you'll do on Tuesday if you haven't already, understand what's going to happen. There are 8 million registered voters in Ohio. 8 million. Uh, it's slightly over that, but nonetheless, there are uh, 8 million. Okay, what's the normal turnout in an election in an off year when there's no president, there's no senator, there's no House of Representatives, there's no governors, there's no state representatives? Uh there's usually only some tax issues and that kind of thing. What kind of turnout do we, do we normally see? So just to give you an illustration of what I'm going to key off. There was a special election in, in August of 2022, last year. Remember, there were, there were just under 8 million registered voters. The number of voters who actually voted was 638,708. So 639,000 people voted. That's eight, just over 8% turnout. 
8% of the people came out to vote in this special election. Um, May 3rd, 2022 was, was a primary. These are primaries. Remember, uh, usually, or they're like, uh, the August one is a special. Um, it usually had the school districts love to run, uh, levies in August, which should be outlawed August and May, because as we've just seen, 8% voter turnout. This is why they run them then because you're on vacation. You're not coming back to vote. No on a levy. Okay. That's why you get 8% turnout in, in August. Uh, May was a little higher. Uh, May of 2022, uh, 1.6, uh, almost 1.7 million voters turned out. It's less than 21%. So 21% of the electorate turned out. Uh, May 8th, 18, that was a May election, 21%. March 15th of 16, I'm not sure what was going on in these, but they actually got 43.66% to show up. But May 6th, 2014 was on less than 17% turnout. March 6th, 2012, 25% almost 26%. Uh, May 4th, 2010, 22.64%. So if there's something big coming on, you might get 25% turnout. Or on rare, rare, rare occasions, over 40. Is that good? Out of 8 million people, let's just take that 44%. Out of 8 million people, 3.3 million people voted. Let's take an issue. Uh, let, let's go with that August 8th, because that's more likely to be something like we might see, although we have a hot button issue on this election. So therefore, there may be more uh, people that turn out to vote. Hopefully, one of them will be you. All right. We have, let's just take 8 million people, and we will... Uh, take round numbers, 8 million people, and 8% go out and vote. That's out of 8 million. That means 640,000 people will have voted. Now, let's take that 640,000 of the whole electorate. And if 50% of those vote, that means that 320,001 would take the day on a special election issue. 320,001. I'm doing this on a, uh, on a calculator on my computer while I'm sitting here giving this to you. Divided by the 8 million. It means that 4% of the electorate took the day on an issue that was on the ballot where 8% of the people voted. Ladies and gentlemen, this idea that somehow we're interfering with democratic rights is nonsense. When 4% of the people can... Um, can dictate 
to the other 8 million, and actually Ohio's got like 11 million people, they're just not all eligible to vote, uh, underage, um, that, that kind of thing. Um, the, the fact is that in those cases, in special elections, 4%, um, you know, in this 8% turnout election, uh, we, we can crunch other numbers uh, to be more fair. Let's say 44, let's take that 44%. Um, all right, we'll take uh, 44%, 8 million. All right, the 44% means that 3.52 million people show up to vote. Okay? Uh, sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It's not 8 million. It's not even halfway to 8 million. It's 44% of the electorate. All right. Let's take that. And if we maintain this 50% plus one to pass a referendum that will change permanently our Ohio Constitution, here's what you get. 50% plus one, right? Times. That means that 1.76 million plus one can change the, uh, sounds like, again, sounds like a lot of people, but it's not 8 million. Uh, it means that 22% of the population just over 22% of the population dictated to the other 78% what the changes would be. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It depends. It depends. It depends on the campaign that was run. That's why I did last week that whole segment on deception. Because people are being deceived to either vote for something that is not true, which is the opponents of issue one are, are running in November, where, by the way, it's an off-year election, that turnout will also be low. Uh, except that we've got a hot-button issue on the ballot. Uh, that's the whole point, again. So 22%. Dictated to the other seventy-eight percent, what would ha uh, what changes will be made on to the Constitution? Now, here's the problem: these propagandistic things that come out, uh, the, the arguments sound fancy, they sound good. Here's the problem: they're lies, as we laid out last week. They're lies, and because of this this election that's coming up in November on an off year. They want. They desperately want to stop requiring a sixty percent uh, requirement. Now, just just to crunch the numbers, uh, and bear with me while while I do this. Okay, so we took the eight million, and we do that forty four percent, and again we're at three point 
3.52 million dollars or uh, five three million dollars 3.52 only if we have a collect a dollar poll tax 3.52 million voters and uh uh let's see what happens if we we, we already know what will happen if if uh requires 50 percent plus one let's take 60 That would require 2.112 million votes. Is that 800 is that 8 million votes? It is not. But is it closer to what the, the probable um will of the electorate is, especially in um uh let's this August election? Is would that be closer? Yeah, or even in November. The answer is yes, it will be closer. Because the closer the to the number of votes that you get to the whole number, the closer you are to the actual number. Because we're not counting the actual number of votes because most people aren't voting. Now, some of them have been fooled away from voting. They've been confused by the issue. Remember, I, I opened up and said a, a colleague of mine had had a guy who said he was going to vote yes because he was sure that there was some kind of shenanigans going on. And I, again, I, I said, you know, it's not a bad way of thinking about this. It really is not a bad way of thinking about it. Uh, because there are shenanigans that are going on. There's shenanigans going on with this flyer out here. But there have been other shenanigans that have gone on. Um, you know, the the shenanigans that we're talking about, and I talked about this last week, having off-year elections, knowing full well that a small percentage of people will come out and vote. And then the Secretary of State comes out and, and you know, oh, woe is us. You know, only X number of, you know, only 38% of the people came out and voted in this election. You're right. That's true. And whose fault is that? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't go out and vote, it's your fault. I, 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 I realize you may think that's harsh. <laughs> and it's not meant to be. The fact is, uh, some people don't vote because they're confused on the issue. Some people don't vote be just because, well, I'm on vacation. You know, I, I'd rather go out in the boat or, um, you know, I'd rather do. Hey, listen, there are ample opportunities. There have been right up to now. I've been urging people to vote early uh, for weeks. Barry and I urge people to vote early. Barry Sheets told me flat out one, not too long before he died. He said, just pray for me to make it to July 11th. And I said, okay, July 11th. And he goes, that's the first day of early voting. Um, that's the first day of early voting on the August election. <laughs> so that's how badly he wanted to vote. Uh, there are those of us who desperately want to get out and vote. I've, uh, the only time I've ever missed a general election, and I think it was on a big year, I was so sick I could not get out of bed. Which is why a lot of lot of uh, um, uh, people who are involved in issues want you desperately to go vote early, and I, I think it's it's a lot it's logical. 
They want you to go vote early so you can vote. I've known cases where people went and voted early because they knew they were dying and they wanted their vote to count. And sure enough, they died before they went out and voted early and they died before um, the general election, the set date. I get that. Um, you know, what if you, uh, uh, you know, uh, have a heart attack? Yeah, it's nothing wrong with voting early. I've done it before. I've done it. I've voted. Uh, I've never voted absentee. I have. I have done early voting, um, and it, it's easy. It's actually easier. Usually, uh, you go down to the, <laughs> you go down to the board of elections in your in your county seat, and you get in line. And usually, the line's short. Um, and uh, voila, you're in. But look, think about these numbers. Now, I believe the uh, the the twenty two percent number, which is what we came up with, uh, uh, if if fifty uh, percent uh, plus one of that smaller number that's actually voting, it it's frightening. It's one point seven six versus uh, two point one one two. Um, the fact is that one man, one vote, is it a, uh, an actual tenet of our system? And the answer is yes, it is within bounds, within bounds. And those bounds, you, you going out and voting, they're counting on number of you being confused by this issue or not really understanding it, and so therefore you stay out because, well, I don't really get it. Like this fellow who's going to vote yes because he doesn't really understand what the stakes are. And again, I get his reasoning, but think about, this is why I'm doing this and thinking about numbers. Figures lie and liars figure, right? The proponents of this upcoming uh quote-unquote women's health amendment, which is not anything about health. It's uh, it's about uh, um, enshrining abortion in our Constitution after we worked and worked and worked and worked to get it out, to get it out of law. Um, by the way, abortion is still legal in this, uh, um, in this state under the umbrella of the heartbeat. Um, although a court, I believe has stopped that until this referendum is over. Um, nonetheless, <clears throat> another reason why you need to get out and vote both in, uh, next week and in November, don't forget about November. Don't blow November off. It's very, very important. Okay. Um, the, th what they want you to be is confused. What do you do when you when you're confused? Yes is a very positive vote. No is a yes, a lot of people go in and will punch no because they don't really understand the issue. Don't be that person. That's what I'm trying to give you. I'm trying to give you um, the idea, uh, understanding what the issues are, and and the numbers. So. One man, one vote. Um, Sixty percent is somehow uh, destroying our our democracy. It's not doing any such thing now. Um, 
majority it's ending uh, the one i love is will end majority rule undermining the sacred principle of one person one vote it does no such thing it requires a super majority not a simple majority now let, let me give you some some facts about uh some of the issues that have been run by some of the same people not all uh some of the same people who are involved in in uh this this refer- women's health referendum in in november they they have run special elections for um, gambling multiple 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 times uh, on off years. Uh, they've done it for marijuana oh, again on off years. Uh, the uh, opponents of things that uh, of issues that. Uh, certain individuals know they don't have the vast majority of voters behind them. They always run them on off years. This is an off year. Why is this thing on, on an off year ballot? It's on an off year ballot because the people that come out to vote on off year ballots really care. They really care about the issue. They're the ones. They're they're your stalwarts. They're your uh, your hardcore players. They're the ones they know will come out and vote with them. Hence, you run an off year election. Why? To keep the casual voter out of the mix, because the casual voter very often gets enough, he's smart enough to realize this is not something I want to see happen. I, I, the November uh, issue. I don't really want uh, abortion in the Ohio Constitution, and I really don't want uh, physicians to have the right, and physicians and teachers and behaviorists and all these people besides the parents to have the right to take your child and, and put them through a sex change operation. Because that's what's being enshrined in the Ohio Constitution with that November issue. So what are we doing? We're trying to counteract the idea that a tiny number of voters, and believe me, 1.76 million out of 8 million is a tiny number of voters, can change the Constitution permanently with a small margin of victory. Every time our side, my side, the things I fought for have been run as a referendum, we did it during an on-year election. The marriage amendment was done during a presidential year. And we passed it overwhelmingly with 63% of the vote. That's what we get. We get 63% of the vote. We get 61% of the vote for our stuff. Why? Because we run referendums that we know we have the vast majority of voters on our side. We know we're on the, the side of right. The other side runs their referendums in off years when they know they don't have the numbers of the electorate. If they had it during a regular on-year election when everybody votes, they'd lose, and they'd lose big. And they did lose big over and over and over with the gambling 
issue. Over and over and over and over. And again, remember, huge amounts of money went into those campaigns. Why? Because the gambling interests have huge amounts of money. And how do they get it? They get it from robbing their customers. Let, let's not kid ourselves. Um, the gaming industry is essentially, it's, it's a legalized pickpocketing. Um, now, look, if you want to go to the casino and, and play a little blackjack and, or, uh, you know, spin the roulette wheel or whatever, and you, you got 50 bucks or something that for entertainment purposes, I really don't have a problem too much with that, except that you are wasting God's provision. And that's another discussion that I'm not going to go to. Um, but that being said, um, a, the, um, the, the gambling interests, the marijuana interest. Now, the marijuana interest didn't do all that well. Why? Because there's a whole lot of people that really did not want to see recreational marijuana as uh, ha they, they have seen the results in other states of recreational marijuana uh, legalization, and it's not something they really want to get involved in. Um, I, I can tell you in my small town here, well, we, we've talked about this. There are five dispensaries. I live in Newark. There are five dispensaries here. There don't need to be five dispensaries here. Um, why so many? Well, because people like to get high. <laughs> I mean, let's not. Uh, they, they claim it's all medicinal. There are medicinal uses for marijuana. Uh, most people are, you know, oh, gee, doc, I had a little bout of depression. I, I, can you get me? Yes, sure. Uh, and. They write your prescription. You you go into the doctor inside the the dispensary and do that. Uh, but that being said, they knew they didn't have that. The this side knows they don't have the the abortion. They know they don't have it. They might be able to squeeze out fifty uh, percent plus one on an off year election. Uh, now again. Off your elections, depending on uh, have tend to have low voter turnout. Let's let's take a theoretical. Uh, theoretical. I'm just going to pop a number out of the air. Thirty uh, percent. Let's say we get thirty percent turnout. All right, eight million voters times thirty percent equals two point four million people. All right, two point four million. In a 50% plus one scenario of that 30% that come out to vote. One point two million plus one would take the day. One point two million out of eight hundred or I'm sorry, again with the eight hundred. Eight million. So let's let's divide that out and see what percentage that is. Pardon me, my bad. Uh, that's 15% of the voters. 15% of the voters would decide to enshrine, well, uh, on this particular 
issue, but let's say 30% where we're going with a general on an off year, 15% of the voters would determine whether or not we put abortion in our, uh, in our constitution and allow, uh, groomers to essentially seize control of our children and, uh, uh, uh damage them for life. Uh, that's, uh, uh, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, the number of people in the state who understand the, uh, the issue, 15%, there are more than 15% who get the picture. They know that. That's why they desperately want to keep it 50% plus one and run off your elections. Now, let's take a look at that same number. 2.4 million. And we'll um, we'll do the sixty percent plus one. One point four four million. Okay, is it that much more? No, it's not that much more. But it's enough more that people who really understand the issue. And again, let's let's uh, see how what percentage that actually is. Eighteen percent. Okay, people that really understand the issue will come out and vote, even on an off year. And if they really understand, I, I I would personally predict that if you if people understand the issue, they will come out and vote no in droves because there are more than eighteen percent of the electorate who understands that this is not the way to run a railroad, if you will. This is not the way you don't enshrine these kinds of things in your constitution. The same people didn't want to enshrine that stuff in the constitution with gambling. They didn't want to do it with marijuana. There are other issues that things should not be enshrined in the constitution. Don't be, uh, suckered by uh, former Republican quote-unquote governors who who oppose the 50% plus one. John Kasich and, and Bob Taft, okay, uh, rhinos, both of them. And, and Bob Taft is a, is a, uh, a grifter uh, or would be if he was smart enough to know uh, really what he was doing. Um, he was a terrible governor. He... Um, um, let himself be pushed around by the GOP, uh, um, the uh, establishment. And uh, um, ladies and gentlemen, don't don't be swayed by that. Uh, John Kasich went uh, rhino, liberal rhino, years and years and years ago. Uh, we warned before he ran for... Uh, or uh, before he ran for governor, we warned people that this this was a bad plan. Um, but nonetheless, the, the figures lie and liars figure, right? You have to be cognizant of what's happening, why people do what they do. 
the forces of evil runs run elections on off years because they know they can turn out the faithful and overwhelm the thinking who really didn't think enough of the issue to go out and vote, didn't think it was important enough to go out and vote. Go out and vote. That's all I can tell you. Uh, It's absolutely imperative that we get out on Tuesday and vote yes on issue one to protect us from the onslaught of what's going to happen in November with the Women's Health Protection Referendum. Because it's misnamed. Women's health will not be protected by enshrining abortion in the Constitution. In fact, just remember that about half of the women who will uh, die, more than half, uh, some of them will be not-yet-born women. Nonetheless, it's going to be more than 50% of the in a surgical abortion or, or any other kind of abortion, 50% of the patients die, or actually more than 50 in the case of multiple births, multiple pregnancies, uh, multiple, multiple uh, fetuses. And sometimes the mother dies, as, and we've pointed out on, that out on many occasions as well. Um, so the numbers are very important. And we really need, in the future, to protect the Constitution from these kinds of onslaughts. People that come in with huge amounts of money to spend, uh, don't be taken in by the lies that somehow the uh, the the out-of-state interests are coming in to uh, to pump money into these corrupt politicians. No, no, no. There is money being pumped into corrupt politicians, but it's by the other side. It's by the the proponents of this this November uh, um, referendum. Uh, I think 80% of the money came from out of state. They hired out of staters to to collect their signatures. Um, All kinds of of shenanigans with money. It's the ACLU's part of this. There, ACLU is not a local organization. Uh, there are a number of uh, of big name organizations that, that have come out in favor uh, of this uh, women's health protection referendum in November, and they're virtually all out of state. Like I said, about eighty percent of the money. So don't be suckered by this idea that somehow uh, all of us who are opponents are getting out-of-state money and all the politicians involved are getting out-of-state money to oppose uh, the women's health referendum and to be in favor of issue one. Ladies and gentlemen, don't buy it. Get out and uh, register. Well, it's too late to register, but vote yes on issue one. That being said, I'm out of time. Um... What else is new? I'm always out of time. Barry and I were always out of time. Um, You know what I think. I want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com That's principledpolicy.com Our emails are on the website. 
You can send us an email. You can comment on our podcast when I get it up. And all the old podcasts are up. Uh, come out to and visit us at www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.